Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Tim Kleiner. All right. Well, before we get started today, um, as Michaela greeted you from the pastors, I just wanted to acknowledge Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb. We have awesome pastors that love and serve you guys. You know, they're, while they're there, they are praying for you right now. They're there praying for the people of, of refuge. And so I wanted to thank them for the opportunity to speak. Pastor Matt um, is not only a mentor of mine, but he is a spiritual father that is able to speak into my life and to challenge me. And so it is a great honor and, to, and a privilege to serve with him here at, at Refuge. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, or if you have a smartphone or mobile device, I encourage you to follow along on there, because we're going to be looking at some really key verses today. Uh, so you can turn in your Bibles or on your phones to Luke chapter 24, and I will go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for today. We thank you that this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, that it is a day of salvation, that it is a day of deliverance, that it is a day of redemption. And we thank you for everything that Jesus has done for us upon the cross. We thank you for his blood that was shed for us in our place to redeem us, to set us free from the power of sin. We thank you for the resurrection and the life. We thank you for everything that Jesus accomplished. And as we read the word of God today, and as we study the word of God today, open up the eyes of our hearts and flood them with light so we could see you, see your majesty, see your glory in a greater way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay. So Luke chapter 24, today we're going to be talking about Jesus' last words. And so the last few weeks in the month of April, we've been discussing in our series, The Road to the Cross. And so in the first um, um, sermon, Pastor Matt talked about the life and ministry of Jesus, that he came to preach proclaim the kingdom of God, to teach, and to heal. And then last week, we talked about the, the, the cross and the resurrection. Well, today, we're going to put the cherry on top of the whole thing and wrap it up and talk about what Jesus said before he ascended back into, into heaven. And so he said a lot of things in the four Gospels. The four Gospels, if you may not know, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so he said a lot. So we're only going to concentrate on what he said in Luke 24, okay? So in Luke chapter 24, um, we read, During his resurrection, the women come to the tomb, and the stone has been rolled away, and he's missing, and he's gone. And, And they're starting to get frantic. And all of a sudden, two angels appear to the, the women who were, who were going to bring spices to anoint his, his body. And he said, he's not here. He has risen just as he has told you. Okay? And so they take off and, and, and they run back to the, the 11 apostles. Because remember, Judas hanged himself. He was no longer there. So they, he, uh, she ran back to the 11 apostles. And then there was a group of other people who were gathered there with them. And he says... Um, in Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 11, they told them these things, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, 
they did not believe them. So let me ask you a question. Is the resurrection to you just an idle tale, just like a fairy tale? Is it some historical event that took place 2,000 years ago that has absolutely no relevance for today? Or is it living and abiding in you? Is it something real to, to you, something tangible to, to you? So that's what we're, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the reality of the resurrection here and now and how it can affect your life and how you can live your life and the reality of that power. So the next, that same day, two guys who were there when uh, the women told them about um, the, what they saw with the angels, they were walking on the road to a, a village called Emmaus. And Emmaus was about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Jesus drew himself near to, to them. And in verse um, 16, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. They didn't know that it was him. They were blinded. Okay? And so Jesus, knowing what they were talking about, said, what are you guys talking about? What's, what's going on that everybody's in, in an uproar? And the two guys, they basically said, look, where have you been? Are, are, are you the only visitor here in Jerusalem that you don't know what's going on? I mean, are you Johnny come lately? Come on, get a grip. That's basically, in my version, what they said to him. And so Jesus, and then let me back up. Those guys began to share with them, hey, we thought this guy was going to be the Messiah, um, deliver us from the Roman Empire and set Israel free and and." He was crucified by the Romans, and they put him in a tomb, but now they say he's alive, and, and, and our friends went there and visited him, and then these two angels appeared to him, and we just don't know what's going on. This, this is crazy, and you, don't, you haven't heard this? And so Jesus then rebukes them and said, in verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. See, they were kept from recognizing, they, they were kept from seeing him because of their lack of faith and unbelief. Unbelief and lack of faith will keep you from seeing who Jesus really is. And so in verse 26, or uh, maybe back up to verse 25. Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer um, these things and enter his glory? And beginning from Moses and the prophets, he interpreted, he explained, he showed them line upon line in the scriptures, the Old Testament, all the things concerning himself. And so... As they were going, then they got to the city, and, and they entreated Jesus to come stay with them and, and to break bread with them. And he broke bread and gave it to them, and then he vanished out of their sight. And it says that their eyes were opened. When they received the bread, the, her, their eyes were opened. The bread of God and the, uh, the, the, the word of God compares bread to the word of God. And when you receive the word of God in faith, your eyes will be opened and you will see Jesus. 
And so we read later on, um, they come and, and tell the, the rest of the 11 apostles. They didn't believe them. And then Jesus appears to them, proves to them that he's alive by showing his nail-scarred hands, his feet, um, and eats fish in front of them. And he rebukes them. And then it says, then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. That Christ would suffer and on the third day rise again. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he opens up our spiritual eyes so we can see him. But it should not stop there at the salvation experience. Jesus wants to continue to open up the eyes of our hearts, open up the eyes of our understanding, so we can see everything that he is. Now, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see a picture of Jesus. We see him healing the sick, uh, raising the dead. We see him on the cross. We see what was going on on the outside. Okay, so we could call that a photograph, right? So we all have photographs of ourselves. Maybe from 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, I've mentioned to a few guys around here sometimes, take pictures of yourself while you can, because in about 20 years, it's not going to last long. It's going to change. So it takes a lot of work to change, okay? So that's a photograph, and, and you can see what you look like on, on, on the outside, Okay? But the epistles, particularly the letters of the church that the Apostle Paul wrote, okay? Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those letters to the church are like an x-ray. They go into the very heart of the matter. They go into the unseen realm, what was happening in the death, burial, and resurrection that you just don't see with your natural eyes. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to open up the understanding of your heart for you to be able to grasp that. And you know what? Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit to, to do that. He is our supernatural uh, tour to, to guide. Excuse me. Got to get that mouth in order. He is our supernatural tour guide. He wants us to take on. He wants to take us on a tour of the Word of God and show us what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one. Normally, I don't get like this, but I kind of got the preach on me today. So, in, in verse fifteen, Paul prays this prayer. This is a prayer recorded in the scripture. And this prayer, see, the, the New Testament just was not written to the church at Ephesus. It was written to all of Christianity, all Christians at all times. So this prayer applies to us. So you can read this prayer and you can pray it for yourself. Okay? So I encourage you every day, pray this prayer for yourself. And he says in verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that spirit of wisdom and revelation, in other words, that is the Holy Spirit at work in your human spirit to reveal something that was previously hidden. 
so you can know some, something, okay? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, the Amplified says flooded with light, that you may know, that you may know. God does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know. And he's, then he prays that we would know three things, three things that he wants us to know. That we would know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's the first thing he prays for, that he wants us to know, our hope. We have a hope. We are not a people without hope. We have a hope and a future. Then he says, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the, in the saints? You have an, an, an inheritance. He wants to know, he wants you to know what belongs to, to you. Okay? If you don't know what belongs to you, then you will allow the enemy to take advantage of, of you. Because you're not enjoying your inheritance. And then, this is what we want to talk about. He wants us to know, our eyes flooded with light, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. The Amplified says, towards us and in us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He wants us to know the power of the resurrection. And that power, it says, is in you and for you. Think about that. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is sitting right there inside you in your seat. Come on. That's what he wants you to know. Now, I like what the, I want to read this from the New American Standard Bible because the New American Standard the New American Standard Bible is closer to the Greek text, okay? And so if you don't know, the New Testament, our, our Bible, is an English translation, okay? And it was originally written in Greek, okay? And so normally I don't do this on a Sunday morning, but there is so much that I want you to see here. I want to unpack this verse and show you the Greek terms. And so we're going to have them on the screen to help you. Um, so here, here we go. In the New American Standard Bible. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So you have the word power, you have the word working, you have the word strength, you have the word might. Those are, in Greek, those are all words for the word power. So in other words, there was so much power demonstrated in the resurrection that Paul had to use four words to describe it. He ran out of words in the Greek to describe the power that was demonstrated in the resurrection. And he calls it immeasurable. Now, that word immeasurable, uh, we won't get into all the technical stuff because we don't have time. But it, it literally means to surpass, to excel, to exceed. Something that has no limits. Some versions call it unlimited power. There was unlimited power that was demonstrated in the resurrection. That cannot be measured. 
and it surpasses any barrier or limit. The barrier of death could not withstand that power. It was super abounding, surpassing power. The, the, the root word of that, where it says um, H-U-P-E-R, that's uh, huper. It's where we get the word super from, okay? It was super power. And then the greatness, the word greatness there is the word megathos. It means vastness, vast in its extent, immense, and with its intensity. So it was mega power. So in Tim Kleiner version, it was super mega power that was demonstrated. Okay, now he says um, that we would know the power, the word power there is the word dunamis. It means power, force, might, inherent ability. It's something that was birthed inside of him when he rose from the dead. And then that word working there is where we get the English word energy. It was power in action or operation. It was divine energy that raced through his body and rose and raised him from the dead. And then that word strength of his might. Strength of his might. The Greek word there for strength is iskus. It means strength, power, might, force, ability. Force to come, to overcome immediate resistance. There was no demon in hell that could resist the power of the resurrection. No chain, no ping could hold him down. And then the word uh, kratos, exerted, manifested strength. Strength in demonstration. It was eruptive and tangible. It's tangible. It's something that can be seen or felt. It is real power. Now, when we think of power in our natural world, I want you to think for a second. What is the greatest power that human beings ever created, harnessed, and used? Think about that. Now, I think if you would think about that just for a few minutes, we would all agree that it was the atomic bomb. That that was the greatest power that mankind ever developed and harnessed and used. And so let's look at that. When they were testing that atomic bomb, it was called the Manhattan Project. And I have some slides there. So when they tested it at 5.30 a.m. July 16th, 1945, Los Alamos scientists detonated a plutonium bomb at a test site located on the U.S. Air Force Base at Alam, I can't pronounce that, Alamogordo. New Mexico, some 120 miles south of Albuquerque. The test had been scheduled for 4 a.m., but when the time came, it was, it was raining, and the appointed hour was pushed back to 5.30. Tensions ran high at the test site as physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer and General Thomas Farrell a U.S. Army officer placed in charge of the test, observed from 
one of the two bunkers approximately 10 miles from the test site, along with over 258 other personnel. Other military officers and scientists were watching from the second bunker 20 miles away when the bomb, nicknamed the Gadget, was finally detonated atop a 100-foot steel tower, an intense light flashed and sudden wave of heat was followed by a great burst of sound echoing in the valley. A ball of fire tore up into the sky and was surrounded by a great mushroom cloud stretching 40,000 feet across and about seven and a half miles high with a power equivalent to 22 tons of TNT. The shock of the explosion was felt from over 200 miles away. One eyewitness says, it was like being at the bottom of an ocean of light. We were bathed in it from all directions. The light withdrew into the bomb as if the bomb sucked it up. Then it turned purple and blue, went, and it went up and up and up. The most common immediate reaction to the explosion was surprise, joy, and relief. One person at the test said, everything went from darkness to brilliant sunshine in an instant. He was momentarily stunned by the surprise. Hans uh, Beeth, who had been looking directly at the explosion, was completely blind for more than 30 seconds. Norris Bradbury reported the atom bomb did not fit into any preconceived uh, or notions possessed by anybody. The blast wave knocked one scientist flat to the ground, and he was over five miles away. The steel tower, do we have a picture of the steel tower? That tower there that held that bomb, it literally melted it to a liquid and boiled it to a vapor as though it never even existed. It vaporized. Now the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 8, in connection with sin having its hold upon our life and in our heart, that we were under its power and under the chains. But in verse 8, it says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus, when you received him as Lord and Savior, his power went on the inside of you and took that sin that held you captive and melted it to a liquid and boiled it to a vapor as though it never even existed. In the mind of God, who you were in the past no longer exists. The Bible says in, first, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are a new person. If you were an alcoholic before you were born again, you are no longer an alcoholic. You have to see yourself in Christ. You have to see yourself as a new creation. That's who you are. That word destroy is the word in Greek, luo. And I think I have a slide up there. It means to release 
to loose, to unleash, to let go, to unbind, something that no longer holds you together. It's to release what has been held back. It's to demolish, to melt, to dissolve. Jesus demolished everything that the devil did in you, and he demolished it, he destroyed it, he melted it, he vaporized it. The power of God was so overwhelming that the Roman soldiers who guarded Jesus' tomb on that resurrection morning fainted and crumbled to their feet under the weight of that power. That stone rolled away and burst forth with light and stepped the Son of God fully resurrected with new life and power and will give that to any person who receives him as Lord and Savior. No demon in hell could withstand that power. In Colossians 3.15, it says he disarmed all the power of the enemy and triumphed over them in the cross. And he has given you that same power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. Paul said he calls it the glory of the Father that raised Jesus from the dead. So the power of God is synonymous with the glory of God. Then in another place in Romans, he says, If the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he will make alive or quicken your mortal body. So there he calls it the spirit. So power, glory, his Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and dwells on the inside of you. When you fully understand what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, you will live your life from a place of victory and not defeat. You will say, devil, you take your hands off of me. You will say, devil, you take your hands off of my family. You take your hands off of my children. You take your hands off of my marriage, my finances, my body. You have no place here because the power of God has broken everything that you've done. The power of God was so strong, the reason why there was so much tremendous power demonstrated in that resurrection is because God was destroying, Jesus was destroying everything Satan did in you, and he removed it, and there's nothing left. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than what we can ask or think, according to the power at work on the inside of us. See, God is able to do the exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it's only according to that power at work within us. But if you don't know about that power, if you are ignorant about that power, then you are going to limit God in doing the exceedingly abundantly. You have to have a revelation, the eyes of your heart flooded with light to know what God did on the inside of you. And when you know that, then he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even imagine. Can you think about that? Even stuff that we haven't even thought about that he's going to do for you. 
So we have to, number one, know what's on the inside of us. Number two, this series this month has been called The Road to the Cross. And I think sometimes we think that the road to the cross is only the road that Jesus took that, uh, during his passion. But the road to the cross is our road too. Because we are to take up our cross and follow him. And we are to walk down that Calvary road with him. And we are to live the crucified life. Because there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. If you want to have the power of God demonstrated in your life, the resurrection power of God, you have to live a crucified life. You have to crucify the old thought life. You have to crucify the old habits, the old addictions, the old wrong speech, the swearing, the cussing coming out of your mouth. Come on, Christians ought not cuss. You have to crucify it. We are to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. In Philippians chapter 3, and we'll close here in a second. Philippians chapter 3, I want to show you something else here. See, Paul wrote this, the book of Philippians, just a couple years before his death. Okay? He was in ministry for over 30 years when he wrote this. And he wrote this from prison in Rome. And we don't have time to read this whole section there. I would encourage you today, read Philippians chapter 3 so you can see the entire context here. But we only have time for uh, two, two verses. And he writes here, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, being made like him, excuse me, in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says that I may know him. That word know there, it's an intimate knowledge of him. It's an experience, experiencing him. When you have an intimate knowledge of someone, you are experiencing their wonders, their beauty, right? When you, if, if you're married, if you have intimacy with your wife, you are experiencing a love that is so deep and real that no unmarried couple should ever partake in, Right? And Paul wants to know Christ in an intimate, to know the person, the wonders of who he is. And then he says, and he says the word and. And is a conjunction, right? So you could say it like this, in the same manner. So in the same manner as he wants to know Jesus, he, and he wants to know the power of the resurrection, to have an intimate, working, experiential knowledge of the power of the resurrection. This is 30 years into his ministry. 30 years after the Lord revealed to him what all happened in his death, burial, and resurrection. There was so much power in the resurrection that 30 years later, Paul is still wanting to know more. 
So then we have the, the second and. And may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death. If we want to know the power like that, we have to share in his suffering and become like him in his death. Crucifying our wants, our desires, our flesh is not fun. There's suffering involved. Following the call of God upon your life is hard. There's suffering involved. But when we lay down our life, our wants, our desires, then the power that was demonstrated in the resurrection is there for you to put you over when times get tough. See, you have a reservoir of power on the inside of you. So in Oklahoma, I lived there for 12 years, and I worked at a job there. And if you ever lived in Oklahoma, you get some nasty, wicked storms down there. And they happen just like that. I mean, they're vicious. And so at this business that I worked with in the spring and summertime, I mean, that's Tornado Alley, right? Have you guys seen Twister? Yeah, it's pretty, that's actually pretty realistic in a lot of ways. So anyways, that dates myself. If you haven't heard of Twister, see if they have it on Netflix. Anyways, um, every spring or summer, we would get a storm that would roll in into, into Tulsa. And uh, it would knock the electricity out in the place of business that I worked but there was a huge, massive Kohler generator about the size, almost the size of this stage that was out back behind that business. And when the storms came, when, when that beat upon that building, when the lightning was flashing and the, and, the, and the hail was crushing cars, that generator kicked on and that power lit up that building. And we could go through the day without being really affected by the storm that was going on the outside. See, when the storms of life come, and they come to us all, and when the lightning comes and the thunder rolls and the hail wants to beat upon your back, there is a reservoir of power on the inside of you, the power of the resurrection, that will put you over in life and get you through the storms of life. But if you don't know about it, then you won't maintain it and you won't take advantage of it. I worked in another place where the generators failed and there was no power going through the storm because we didn't know about the issues that were preventing that power from working. See, you have to ma maintain your spiritual walk. You have to maintain that power that's on the inside of you. So when the storms of life come, you are ready to face them. So let's go real quickly back to Luke 24. Once we know the reality of the cross, what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus then commissions his people. Once you know the power of the cross and the resurrection, it's not enough for you to sit in your seat and do nothing. 
He commissions us to go and to proclaim the gospel. The gospel is good news. In in the ancient world, it meant someone who was heralding or proclaiming good news that the victory has been won, the battle's over, and the enemy has been defeated. That's what the word gospel means, that the victory has been won. We are to proclaim to a lost and dying world that Jesus came, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and if you receive him by faith through grace, not of works, not anything that we can do on our own self, it's a free gift, if we proclaim that truth, then we are fulfilling what he has called us to to, to, to do. In... uh, Verse 47, it says, And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. We are to proclaim this gospel to the nations. And then he goes on to say in verse 52, or I'm sorry, in uh, verse 49, before we do, that we are to be clothed with power. So the same power that's on the inside of you, now Jesus says he wants you to be clothed with it, endued with power, explosive power. So remember in chapter 1, verse 19, Ephesians 1, 19, he gives that term the strength of his might. Now that term is very important because that term, the strength of his might, is the same phrase that Paul uses in Ephesians 16, where he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We are to live our life strong, clothed in the strength of his might. And then that's when he goes on and talks about the full armor of God. That, that, that if you're clothed with it, you'll be able to withstand all the trickery of the devil. The armor of God is being clothed with the power of his resurrection. And if you want to go through life putting the devil on the run from you, being scared of you, you need to be clothed with the power and the strength of his might. If you can close your eyes and bow your heads. We could have the worship team come on up. God wants to do far more abundantly in your life than what you could ever hope, dream, or even imagine. He has given you his word and power to do so. He wants you to come to a greater understanding of everything he has accomplished for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. So let me ask yourself, let me ask you a question then. What's holding you back? Is it a lack of time of of spending time in his word and in in his presence? Is it from failing to live that crucified life and following him down that Calvary road? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today about this message?
What is he saying to you right now? Let him speak to you. God wants to fulfill so much in your life. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you in your place instead of you. It was you and I who was supposed to hang on that tree with the judgment and the wrath of God poured upon us instead of Jesus. But because of his great love, he came and he took your spot. He filled in for for you so you wouldn't have to. And he's offering salvation, freedom from sin, freedom from his divine wrath, freedom from all the power of darkness. And all it is is a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to go do a bunch of things that really don't matter to try to attain to it. It's free. If I had something in my hand and I were to give it to you, how would it become yours? You would just reach out and take it. It's free. Jesus is offering you today salvation, healing, restoration. And all you have to do is reach out and take it. If you never have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want that change in your life, you want the power of sin to be broken in your life, and you want to receive salvation, I want you to lift up your hand. Thank you. I see those hands. You can, you can put those down. So we're going to pray a prayer. And we, around here, we call it a believer's prayer. Because it is a prayer that one who comes in faith to Christ. So let's pray. Dear Father God, I humbly come before you. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge everything that I've done wrong in my life. And I ask you to forgive me. Right now, I ask you to change my life. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again. And, I, and the life that flowed through him in that tomb, I ask to come and flood my heart. Fill me with your spirit. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.
amen. Now you may be sitting there, you may be been a Christian for a long time. I want to challenge you, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. Don't sleep on it. Count the cost. Pick up your cross and follow him. And your life will never be the same. He will do far more abundantly than what we can ever hope or imagine if you follow him. In a few moments, our prayer team will be up here. If you prayed that prayer or should have prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to come up and pray for one of those, pray with one of those people. They are there to help you get started on this new life and journey with Jesus. Why don't we sing and praise God as the worship team sings? At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.